0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. This side was there. This side was not. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. There we go. Much better. I don't know if I bite or something because there's no more. There's no less than five rows between me and any other living person. That's fine. Uh, how are you guys doing today? <laughs> how are you guys doing today? Oh, sure. You all love to be here. Okay. Well, we are finishing up the book of Acts, which is awesome. Acts 28. So, this is the final chapter in this book we've walked through for like four months now, five months. Um, This chapter, I don't know if you guys remember. So, last week, you didn't have a sermon, Uh, you had a testimony, but they did post the first service. Who watched it? Show of hands. Two people. Just kidding. I'm not trying to guilt you. Um, so last week, they talked about, so Paul was put on this ship as a prisoner to go to Rome. Right? And Paul's been waiting to go to Rome. He's ready to go to Rome. But now he's a prisoner. He's in shackles on the way to Rome. And he's on the way there. And there are some bumps in the road. Uh, he's sailing there on a ship, because that's what he did back then. I don't really sail many places nowadays. But he's sailing there, and the ship wrecks. And then they get into another ship, and then the winter comes. And so they're stuck on an island. And so all these things are happening around Paul. But now we're finally in the point of the story. He's making it to Rome. He wrote in the letter to the Romans, the book of Romans. That's the letter he wrote. He was waiting to get there. He longed to be with the believers in Rome. So he's finally making it there. So how are we going to do it today We're going to break down the first five verses, right? Him just getting to Rome, getting there. And then we're going to read through the rest of the passage. It's only 15 verses. Then we're going to go back. We're going to break it down a little bit. And then we're going to expand on it. Sound good? Everybody with me? Yeah? Thank you, Sammy. And then a couple head nods. Oh, is that Janelle? Thank you, Janelle. A couple head nods. (laughs) All right. Awesome. So... Acts 28, verse 11. After three months, I put out in a ship that had wintered on the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with figureheads of twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Puteoli. Puteoli is the port they reached in Italy. So they finally reached Italy. They're getting off the boat. They're no longer on the boat when they hit Puteoli. Puteoli was a port city in Italy. That's how the boat got there. If it was inland, the boat couldn't really get there. So it's a port city, and a lot of trade happened there. So it was a diverse crowd. You had Gentiles, you had Jews, you had people probably from Asia, all over the place coming to Puteoli. There we found some brothers and sisters who who invited us to spend the week with them. And so we came to Rome. So these brothers and sisters in Puthiola, invited them to stay the week there. The brothers and sisters there had heard we were coming, and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. So Appius was a town 38 miles southeast. Three taverns was a place 30 miles south southeast. These people traveled 30 to 38 miles because they heard Paul was coming on a ship. I don't travel 30, 38 miles to get anywhere I have to get to, especially not church. But they were so on fire, so ready, and they were going to hear Paul. So Puteoli, Puteoli is 150 miles from Rome. So they're traveling. So Paul, his ship, they pull in Puteoli, then they have to get to Rome. 150 mile trip, a 10 days trip. How many miles were they going a day if it's 150 miles, that's a 10 day trip? 50? Yes! Who that? Miss Amy? Yeah, it was. <laughs> So yes, they're down 50 miles, so 50 miles a day journey, which means the people from, coming from Appius and three taverns, two to three days-ish, probably two, because they walk a little quicker or longer, whatever, to get there to see Paul. And so they stay there for a little bit, and then they move on to Rome. So that's the setup. Now we are going in, and we're going to be at Rome. Everybody tracking? So now we're going to go into Rome. I'm going to read the rest of this, and then we're going to go back in through it. So when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, "'My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and then handed over to the Romans.'" They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charges against my own people. For this reason, I've asked, I've asked to see you and talk to you. It is because of the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you. And none of our people have come from there, have reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against the sex. The sex. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might have seen with their eyes and heard with their ears and understand with their hearts and would turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there on his own, or on his, uh, in his own house, rented house, and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and saw about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance." That's where we're going. That's how the book of Acts ends. So verse 16, Paul's still under guard. When they got to Rome, Paul had to live by himself. So he rented a house, um, either across the street from a police station, whatever, or rented a house and he had soldiers living with him. But he lived by himself with a soldier to guard him. Um, he sent letters to these Jewish leaders individually. And so they all came and he wanted to explain himself. So he claims his innocence, my brothers, although I've done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. You know, when I was reading this, I know Paul dies in Roman custody. So I was thinking, okay, so this is the end of the book of Acts. So we have Paul being arrested, right? Then the book of Acts ends and he probably dies after that, right? That's probably how it works. Paul was arrested twice by the Romans this time. So he was arrested here for two or three years. um, And then he would be released for anywhere from two to five years. Uh, Dates are a little iffy. Um, Probably more like two. Would be released. And then when the new emperor came in, he was really cracking down on Christianity. He would then arrest Paul and kill Paul. So Paul does not die after this arrest in Rome. He dies after his next arrest in Rome. So here he's claiming his innocence, and even the Romans found him innocent from what they're accusing of. He was found not guilty of any crime that deserved death. And so he goes on, um, but the Jews objected. So even though the Romans found me not guilty, the Jews objected, so now I have to come to Caesar and make my appeal and I didn't want to bring any of my fellow Jews down with me. But for this reason, I asked to talk to you. is because of the hope of Israel, I'm bound in these chains. So Paul's not saying like, hey, I don't want to be in prison. He's saying, do I deserve it? No. But for the hope of Israel, when Paul says this, typically he's referring to the resurrection of Jesus. Right? That's the hope of Israel. Israel, as the Jewish people, their hope is that one day they will get to live together with God. So the resurrection of Jesus allows us to live together with God. So because of the hope of Israel, the resur- and the promise that we will one day be resurrected, I am bound in this chain. Because of what Jesus has done, I take these chains. So he makes his case, but then the Jewish leaders reply like, hey, we haven't heard about you or anything bad about you. Like we know who you are, but like we, we didn't hear anything bad about you. So he already made his defense. They're like, no, 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 that's, that's not an issue here. None of the people from there came here to tell us about you, or anything bad about you, but we want to hear what your views are because we know that people everywhere are talking against your sect. So they saw Christianity as a sect of Judaism. So in Christianity, we also have that. like We have like, the sect of like Catholicism, then Protestantism. And in Protestantism, there's like, a bunch of other stuff, right? Like, kind of gross, like pol- church politics stuff. But there's a sect. So these Jews thought what Paul was coming from was a sect of Judaism. So they wanted to hear about this. And I was reading one author, and he made a really interesting point. What's going through Paul's mind when he hears that they're curious about this? He's probably so happy because they say, people everywhere are talking against you. People everywhere speak out against Christians. And so we want to know, like, why are they doing this? But he hears, potentially, people everywhere are talking about Jesus. Everywhere. Everywhere. Even the people in Rome, all around Rome, they're talking about this guy named Jesus. They disagree, but the name of Jesus is going out, is going forward. If you remember back when he pulled into Puteoli, believers came from 30, 38 miles away to the port. And he rejoiced. He gave thanks to God. He gave thanks to God because he knows the letter he wrote to the Romans, to the Roman church, Romans, the letter, must have gotten there if these believers were waiting for him and just wanted to hear about Jesus, they must have received his letter and it must have made its way around. Who Jesus is has gotten around to Rome. The goal of Paul, he's always wanted this. And so Paul says, okay, okay, okay. I'll tell you all about it. Let's plan another day. So they arranged to meet Paul, a certain day and they come even larger in numbers to the place where he was staying. Talk about evangelism. This guy's in prison talking to more people, more people are coming to him than I think I talk about in a week, than I think I talk to him in a week. He's in prison ministering to people. Is that because Paul planned it that way? No. Thank you two people. Wake up guys, come on, jump around. No. Who plans? Oh, the best thing to do for me to go into prison and then it's going to work out that like all these people who aren't in prison are going to come to me. Nobody. You, You can't plan that. But it's the work of Jesus in his life that's doing it. Right? It's not like, hey, I plan this out and it's going to work. It's I have no idea what's going on. I'm in prison following this guard around wherever he tells me I have to go but he knows Jesus so much that these people are flocking to him. He has the best ministry in the world at this point. Not because he planned it that way, but because of what Jesus did in his life, he couldn't contain it. And it was going everywhere. It was going forward. That described the entire book of Acts for me. We see these apostles and we see these people. Most of them died. All of them were in prison at one point in their life. That's not their plan. But they started this thing called a church, which 2,000 years later, look what we're sitting in. It's not because they had a great plan, it's because the ministry and how connected they were to God was just overflowing onto everyone around them. So they're there, and he witnessed them from morning until evening. First off, who could talk that long? I mean, I know some people who can, but my sister, she could definitely do it. But talk from morning to evening, then who's going to sit there and listen morning to evening? Imagine how on fire you have to be for God. Imagine what God has to do in your life that you can build up a day's worth of talking about what God has done. Then on top of that, God's stirring in the lives of these other people. Like, I don't care what else I have going on today. I want to hear about this. I'll we'll find out some of them great, some of them don't, but they, they wanted to hear. Because God was doing a work there. And so he's morning to evening, explaining them to the kingdom of God. From the law of Moses to the prophets, and he tried to persuade them about Jesus. These were all Jewish people for sure. A lot of them Jewish leaders, right? Jewish leaders brought a large number. So they were well-versed in the Old Testament. The law of Moses, the prophets, they knew all of that. And Paul claimed the case to know the kingdom of God. You can't just know the prophets and the law of Moses. To know the kingdom of God, you have to know this guy named Jesus. You have to know this guy who lived a perfect life, who did hundreds of miracles, who then died and rose again to show us that we have eternal life. If you want to know God, you have to know that guy. And I love the response. Some said yes, some said no. Some agreed, some didn't. Story of our lives, right? Some people heard, some people didn't hear. So they disagreed and they were ready to leave. They're about to leave, but Paul made this final statement. He said the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through the prophet, when he said through Isaiah the prophet. Paul is saying the Holy Spirit spoke through the words of Isaiah then, and is continuing to use those words of Isaiah now. That's what the Holy Spirit does, is he makes the words of God applicable in multiple seasons. So the Holy Spirit. Use the words Isaiah now, and Paul's about to quote Isaiah 6, chapter 9, 10, or Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9, 10. And it's interesting because Isaiah and Paul have the same mission, right? The verse starts off, go to this people, Paul, or Paul, God gave Isaiah the mission to go to the Israelites, go to the Jewish people. God has given the same mission to Paul. And so Paul's using these words. So go to the Jews, the Israelites, and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever, perce- you will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For, for this people's hearts has become calloused, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might have seen with their eyes and heard with their ears and understood with their hearts and turned, and I would heal them. I don't know how many of you guys um, hear a lot. Of I, I've noticed now that I'm planning a wedding, I hear a lot of things. I don't listen a lot. I, I, we all have moments. Like, 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 we hear a lot. How often do we listen? For me, um, I have the TV on a lot in the background, like when I'm just home, you know, doing work, whatever. And so I'll, I'll like, I'll stand there and I'll watch I'll see the TV, but how much of it did I see, you know? Like, I can't tell you what show I was watching. I can't even tell you what it was about. Like, like I can't tell you, like I saw it, but I didn't see it. You know what I'm saying? It's an abstract concept. You could physically be somewhere and not spiritually be there. And that's what Paul is talking about. You are physically here. You're hearing what I'm saying. You're seeing what is going on here, but you haven't opened your eyes. You haven't seen with your eyes or heard with your ears, because when you do, when you do see with your eyes, when you do hear with your ears, you understand with your heart. And when you understand with your heart, it makes you turn. You know that word repent? Uh, We learned this at, I think it was VBS, right? Repent. Something like that. So repent in sign language is literally this. It's an R pushing back. It's turning. You turn. So when you understand with your heart how sinful you are, how good God is, you turn and God will heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent. God did it. He already sent it. And the Gentiles, well, listen, not saying he's done with the Jews. And then for two years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, without hindrance. You know, in these two years, it's suspected that he wrote... Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I think it's confirmed He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians in those two years. Um, and then when he gets released, he writes some more books. But he wrote in this time. He talked in this time. He talked to probably a lot of people in this time. Right? He was under arrest, going to trials, which meant he didn't only talk to people who came to see him. He got to talk to Roman officials, Roman guards, lawyers, judges, eventually, potentially Caesar. And from what I know of Paul, I guarantee you I know kind of what he was saying. He was telling them about Jesus. Under lock and chain, there's there's one word that could have been put, like, because they had different forms, like arrest. So he was... Uh, like the bottom tier of arrested because it was a lower crime. He wasn't really a flight risk. So they either had guards at his house all the time or he could have been chained with like a 10-foot chain to a guard where he couldn't run away, he couldn't do anything. So, but one of the books he read was, or one of the books he wrote in there was Philippians. So I want you all to take out your Bibles Philippians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, lucky for you, we got some in the pews. In the pews, 894. I'm going to give you a minute turn there. Pew Bible 894. Your normal Bible, you can find it. Philippians chapter 1. So Paul is writing this book under house arrest. And I don't know what you guys would be thinking if you were under arrest, but I don't the words used here, proclaiming the kingdom of God, tell the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness without hindrance. I'm like, well, I'm pretty hindered if I'm arrested. It's hard to be bold when you're chained to another person. But he writes this in Philippians chapter 1, so verses 12 to 26. The, the section heading in my Bible at least says, Paul's chains advance the gospel. Paul's chains advance the gospel. We're going to read it. It says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. Throughout all the people guarding him. And to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put there for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing, supposing that they can stir up trouble while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Jesus Christ will abound on account of me. That doesn't sound like a guy in prison to me. That sounds like a guy who is so free so free and I count I, I just counted and I might be wrong three times he used the word rejoice and then use the word joy at the end I don't even rejoice when I'm doing the dishes yet he's talking about rejoicing in prison yet in every way Christ is preached in everything I do Christ is preached and because of this I rejoice and yes I will continue to rejoice for the foreseeable future he was in prison for two years. For the foreseeable future, I will be rejoicing. I will be living this life full of joy because of what God has done for me. Because of who God is. And as I examine the life of Paul, and as I look at him and just the other possible acts, I really learned two things. The first, that it doesn't matter what my plan is. It doesn't matter what Paul's plan was. It doesn't matter what I need. Of the apostles, disciples, any of their plans were. Because whatever they were planning in their own mind, they were so free in Jesus Christ that no matter what actually happened, Christ was proclaimed. Ministry grew. I don't know if you guys remember earlier in Acts, we read about this guy named Stephen. Stephen taught about Christ. And then there was this guy named Saul who arrested him, said, "Yes, stone this man. Stephen died seeing the face of God, but died proclaiming the name of Christ. Then flash forward 10, 15, whatever years later. Now we read about this guy named Paul that same guy who stoned people before, who knew the law, who had everything anyone could ever want, all the riches, all the authority, gave it all up. Because knowing Christ is so much better. And the joy of knowing Christ, the joy of knowing who God is and the Holy Spirit in one's life, surpassed everything. Right, It didn't matter if he was in prison. He'd rather die. What should I do? To live is Christ, but to die is gain. I get to be with Christ. He wrote that. And he said, I'm going to go on living. That's what Christ calls me to. And every day he's living in prison. It's Christ, Christ, Christ. That's the way I want to live. I want to live every day. Or it's just Christ, Christ. It doesn't matter. It, it really, what happens doesn't matter. Like, oh, I got into a car accident. Oh well. <laughs> Hopefully, no one got into a car accident recently. I'd feel bad. But like, whatever comes my way, proclaiming Christ, and did it work out well for them? If you look at it from a worldly standpoint, heck, no. They all died. Actually, one didn't die. He was just tortured and then sent to live on the island alone. But it didn't work out well for any of them. But Christ working through them moved. The entire book of Acts, if I were to summarize it, is people going through challenges that they didn't expect and Christ being glorified in it and then the church being founded. These are the foundations of the church. Paul's years in captivity in Rome, all those people who died or were imprisoned, every step of the way, all the challenges they faced and every word they proclaimed gave us what we have today. I'm going to show you a video now. I want you to think instead of, oh, wow, that's super cool how the Lord worked. That's super cool how, you know, the, the gospel spread. It is. It is super cool that all that stuff happened. But imagine how many people were set on fire for the Lord that they couldn't go anywhere without talking about it, that the gospel was projected and launched out so that we are where we are today every individual person on fire for the Lord. That map stopped at 2015. I guarantee you in the past eight years, that map is now different. I guarantee you in the past eight years, there have been more people set on fire for the Lord that expanded that range. Might have shrunk in some areas too, but... I heard this quote one time, and I'm just going to adapt it a little bit. The book of Acts is not finished. It's completed. We have the full text. But Acts, the reason we call it the book of Acts is it's the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the followers of Jesus Christ. As long as I'm here, as long as you're here, as far as I'm concerned, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the followers of Jesus Christ are still going forward. Today, we have the option. Today we have the choice. This guy, Jesus, who did some things and who brought a new life to so many people. We could follow him. We could be on fire for him. And we could continue this work. That only comes I promise you it's going to come no other way. It only comes by you and me taking the first step in submitting our lives fully and wholly to God and then see what he does with it. See what he does with it. Because whatever he wants to do with it, I promise you, might be a little harder, might be easier. But whatever he does with I promise you, is going to be better than what you or I decide to do with it. With that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for these people. God, who've gone before us, these people who you've set on fire, these people who you have changed their hearts of, so, God, that we could stand here today and have the opportunity to know you. That we could stand here today and have the opportunity to know such an awesome God, such a good Father who loves us. Lord, I pray as we close this time, Lord, as we go out together, Lord, that we leave here different. Lord, that we leave here changed. God, like it says in the book of Acts, Lord, when the Jews were presented this testimony, Lord, some accepted, and some didn't. Lord, we want people who accept you. God, we want people who love you. So God, we just give it all to you right now. God, take our lives. God, use it for what you want to use it. And God, take control. Lord, you're so great. You're so mighty and you're so wonderful. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to know you. So God, we give our lives and we give this time to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.